relive and rebuild that anticipation and that excitement through Advent. So it's a, it's a cool time of year. I know uh, it kind of, this kind of time of year, maybe especially if you uh, were in a hurry trying to walk through the city uh, the last uh, week and realized, oh, there's Christmas markets and that's not happening. Um, there are those who like, you know, Christmas is okay or it's happening. And there are those who like Christmas. And then there's those who like really, really love Christmas. Uh, my house is already, my living room is already decorated, just to give you an idea on which side of the line I fall on. Uh, so I, yeah, I like it. I like Christmas. And I do love Christmas. I love the whole Christmas holiday. And I have to say, ever since I have, uh, I've, I have three small children, and so you kind of get to relive a lot of that excitement and the experience of Advent and Christmas through their eyes, which kind of makes it a double fun, if you will. Uh, and, but in all of this excitement, I think sometimes we can lose touch with the reality of this time of year for many of us. And uh, many of us will maybe, you know, we'll go and we'll enjoy a glue vine and we kind of, uh, uh, maybe a couple, uh, to kind of push away some of the other things that can happen around this time of year. As wonderful as this season is, and this is talking, you know, as somebody who really loves the Christmas season, I know that it can also be a time of year that draws out our struggles, that draws out our hurts, our pain, our loneliness, our insecurities, our worries. I know this year a lot of finances with the inflation, it's like, uh, you know, hitting a little bit harder. I've got three kids, you know, I'm thinking, all right, you guys want to just share one gift uh, this year? That'll be good enough, right? Uh, it's, it, can, it can bring out those things as well. And in our house, uh, this is a little bit too real for us. My father-in-law passed away just two Sundays ago. And this is now overshadowing this season with loss, with pain, and loneliness. And this is a time of year that's meant to be filled with excitement, meant to be filled with hope. Uh, I hope that's... Should I switch mics? Is that going to be... All right. You got it? Okay. It's a lot of feedback up here. All right. This is a time of year that's meant to be filled with excitement, with hope, with peace, with love and joy. But because of our afflictions, because of losses that maybe we've experienced this last year or so, both within us or things that maybe we're struggling within ourselves or things that are coming at us from outside, this time of year can actually amplify our pain. And so over the next four weeks... We're going to examine what God's Word says, what God's Word teaches us about hope, about peace, about love and joy. Now, you might recognize those, uh, hope, peace, love, and joy. This is uh, often represented by the four candles that are lit during Advent. And, but what I want to be looking at is strengthening our faith, our faith to encourage us, to give us the tools that we need to also encourage one another when this time of year maybe isn't easy for everyone. And I know that there's a very traditional and typical approach to looking at these kind of four elements, uh, these four characteristics, if you will, of the Advent time and how they represent uh, the connection with Advent and Jesus coming. And don't get me wrong, I love that approach. I love going really traditional nativity style uh, when we're looking at uh, this time of year. But, and I, I certainly want that in the forefront of our minds, right? We always want to keep the, the main focus and meaning of Christmas in our Heads, which is, of course, the hope that is given to us through the birth of Jesus Christ, that, the, that our Savior has come. But I want to do something a little bit different this year, if that's okay. This season, this series, rather, is about strengthening us, encouraging us in our faith. And I, I can be honest with you, it comes from many conversations that I've had with many of you over the last year or so. 
And so I want to give just a little disclaimer before we move forward. If you're here today and you have no afflictions, you don't have worries, you're without anxiety or fear, you're without loneliness or doubt, without insecurities, this series may not be for you. For the rest of us humans, I want to encourage us to open our hearts, to receive all that God has for us through this series over the next four weeks as we look at his word to be encouraged and strengthened together as the body of Christ. Because we all have struggles. We all have things that we fight in ourselves. Things that have come against us maybe in the last year or so. Things that we've lost. Worries that we've wrestled with. And in these four weeks, we're going to unpack four answers, four remedies, if you will, to some of the struggles that we may face that are often amplified around this season. Answers that are found in the hope, the peace, the love, and the joy that is granted to us through our trust in Jesus Christ. Sound good? You guys with me? All right. So today we're going to look at hope. Hope. What is your hope? What do you hope in? What do you hope for? What is your hope? Or maybe you're wondering, what is hope? Let's start there. Now, I want to make a distinction here. When I'm talking about hope, I'm talking about biblical hope. Hope is about what we desire. It's about our expectations when it comes to what's ahead of us into the future. But it's also about trust. It's about trust. It's what we trust and believe to be true of the promises that have been given to us. Hope is connected with who we trust in. Hope is not about blind wishing. Imagine a child, it's Christmas, hoping for what they're, what they're going to get for Christmas. Oh, I really hope I get a new bike, or I really hope I get that toy car I really want. Thinking of my kids and their list. So that kind of hope is wishing. They have no idea. They don't know what they're going to get. They have, they, it's not based on anything other than their desire and a wishing to see it happen. Hope that we're talking about, biblical hope, is knowing what you're going to get for Christmas because someone told you and you believe them because you trust them. I can imagine so this was a thing that I grew up with. Uh, uh, me and my sister were always uh, trying to uh, get a peek of the presents before uh, Christmas Day. And if, uh, if one of us did, you know, we would usually you know, disclose that to the other. So it would be like you know, a sibling, like say, hey, look, I saw, I know what you're getting. This is what you're getting for Christmas. And now they have a hope. They have an excitement because they know what they're getting. That's biblical hope. Saying, hey, I trust that the information I received is true. So now we have a hope that is assured with a trust and a promise. I want each of us today to remember the promises of God that we rest in and to decide in our hearts that we trust him, that we trust him, the one who gave us those promises, so that when we hope that he will work all things out for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes, that it's true. I can rest in it. I, it's not a, oh, I really hope he does. It's, I know. That's the kind of hope that we have. When we hope that he will never leave us nor forsake us, when we hope that he will be with us till the end of the age. These are Bible passages, if you didn't catch that. 
that it's not a blind wishing or a loose desire. Oh, I really hope God is faithful. I really hope he does what he says he's going to do. But it is an absolute assurance, an absolute assurance that he will do what he promises no matter what. That God will be faithful no matter what. No matter what we think. No matter what we experience. No matter what's happening to us in our life. No matter what we feel. Ever been there where you feel like, man, I feel like God's really far away. Yeah, but I know what he says. And I know he's faithful. So my hope, even though I don't feel it, my hope is secure. That's the kind of hope I want you to have. That's the kind of hope I want you to cling to today. This hope is the remedy of the affliction of our insecurities. When we feel something different, when we're not sure what we feel, we can have assurance. Hope, this kind of hope is the remedy for the affliction of our insecurities and our lostness. When we feel lost, when we feel insecure, it is because we have lost sight of our hope. We've lost sight of our hope and who it is that gives us the promises because when we have hope, nothing can truly crush us. Nothing really brings us down completely because of what we know to be true. We might feel down. We might have rough times. We might hit rough waters. We might go through trials. We might have struggles. We might deal with loss, but our hope will be secure because of what we know to be true, because of who it is that said it. But let me remind you of another reality. We forget. We forget. We need to preach to ourselves daily the hope we have in Christ. The psalm we read Psalm 42 is a good image of one who hopes in God even in the midst of adversity. Psalm 42, verse 3, he says, My tears have, be, have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? That's a, that's a, that's a low place to be. And if we're not careful, how easily when we're in moments like that, when we, can, when we could say that in our life with truth, how easily, if we're not careful, how easily we can forget the promises that we've been given. The truth that Jesus Christ has come, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death so that we may inherit his righteousness as he took on our sins. That is a great hope to cling to. Remind yourself of it every day because we can forget. We can forget the freedom that we have in Christ and the promise of a future inheritance. We forget because life can be hard sometimes, right? I'm the only one? Everybody, all right. Life can be hard sometimes. We forget because grief can take hold of us. We forget because we become focused on ourselves and our own insecurities, and that's the only thing that we see. We forget because, as David puts it, our tears become our food when we're in mourning or weeping. So what should we do? What do we do? Remember. Remember. Verse 4 says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul. I like this. I like how he adds that as I pour out my soul. So David is not pretending like his struggles aren't there. He's not saying, hey, just wipe those tears away and pretend like nothing's wrong. He's pouring out his soul. 
He's not pretending like his struggles aren't there. He's literally eating his own tears, as he puts it. The pain is real. The affliction is felt. He knows there's a weight on him. But David preaches to himself to remember. To remember, to reflect on the things that God has done in his life. As he looks back and remembers how God was faithful and being with him was good. As he remembers the experience that he's kind of referencing is, a, is a, he's reflecting on God's house and a time of worshiping him. And it was this great and glorious time of triumph and, and praise and worship. So I would say as a practical thing for you to keep in mind, if, you, if we want to be firm in our hope, the hope that we've been given, we should take time every now and then to reflect, to preach to ourselves, to make sure we remember in moments of despair, we can look back on moments of joy and be encouraged that it's the same God, the same God who's faithful when everything is going well in our life is faithful when everything is hard. So we should take time. We should reflect. And Something I say often when I meet with people is to write things down. It's so good to write things down because it's, it's just nice to have that, to be able to look back when things are good, when things are bad, and you can say, man, God is faithful. Wow, I look back at the last five years and see how he has been faithful and his promises remain true. No matter what I feel, no matter what I think or what I'm experiencing, he remains the same and it is on him that I hope. But then you say, well, how then do I, how do I maintain that hope when in, in the midst of that, when everything's falling apart and maybe you have Maybe you have inner struggles with, with insecurities and things that you're wrestling with on the inside and, and, and sometimes it can feel overwhelming or maybe you feel under attack by everyone around you. As David puts this, everyone around me is like, hey, who, where's your God? Mocking him. Maybe it's a physical ailment that plagues you. How do you find your identity in the hope you have in Christ in the midst of, those, of, of struggles, of real struggles? Well, I can think of no better example of one who demonstrates a firm, faithful hope in the promises of God than the Apostle Paul. This is a man who understood the eternal promises of God and rested his identity in the assurance of God's steadfast love for him. A man filled with hope, even though he had afflictions in ways we couldn't imagine. He had reason to give up, reason to... to to not hold on to that hope, and yet he did. Let's just look at, let's take a closer look at Paul. First of all, Paul had troubles, we could say. Let me read 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 28. He just throws, throws together a little list for us just to give us an idea of some of the things he experienced in his life. It says, five times I received at the hand of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, sounds terrifying, on frequent journeys in danger of rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, he's talking about the Jewish people, danger from the Gentiles, danger from, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold exposure, and apart from other things. So it's like, he kind of is like, that, that's not even everything. And, but in addition to all that, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Whew. Now, nobody could say that Paul had an easy life. 
He had it hard. I find it interesting to note here, in addition to all of the dangers and shipwrecks and, and the beatings and the physical pain that he endured, we also, we can kind of know this, like this, some of the personal offenses, like the danger of false brothers. That one really kind of jumped out at me for some reason when I was reading it uh, this morning. That, you know, people that he would have, these would have been people that he, maybe he would have trusted. He would have thought that they were going with him in, in their faith, but at some point they turned on him or betrayed his trust. And if you've ever experienced something like that, it's devastating and can be in a lot of ways worse than physical pain. In addition to all this, we also see him having this great weight of anxiety for the churches. Sleepless nights. I can, in a small way, relate to that for sure as I have constantly the pressure for this church and for the health of this church and the growth of, this, of the ministry of this church. The spiritual weight In all this, it's clear that Paul's hope is a key part of his identity. And we'll see that as we look more at a few other examples. It's a key part of his identity that allows him to have a great assurance, irregardless of what he endures. And he certainly endured a lot. Paul describes all of his troubles as light and momentary afflictions. Slight and momentary afflictions. And he goes on with that to say that they were... These light and momentary afflictions are just merely there to prepare him for what's to come. To prepare him for what's to come. That is a man who is assured in his hope. Not because of himself, but because he trusts in God. The promise maker and the promise keeper. And you might say, that's all fine. Sure, that's Paul. But my struggles are are within. My struggles are within. I have insecurities. I feel inadequate. I feel like a failure. Where do I look for hope? Well, I believe we see some of Paul's insecurities as well. He didn't see or he didn't uh, approach his ministry as a great speaker with great abilities. And he didn't trust in his own abilities, even the ones he had. He learned to lean always on the hope he has in Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2 and 3, it says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Paul certainly had incredible knowledge about the word of God. But we can remember in his, that his conversion was quite a shock to him. So he had all this all this knowledge of the Old Testament uh, as you know, grow, uh, being trained uh, even from a young age. And then he's, God shows up. And if you don't know the story, you can read it in Acts. God shows up. It's, a, it's a pretty, one of the most dramatic uh, conversion stories, uh, certainly in the Bible. And he thought he was doing God's work by killing Christians. And God then shows up in this big way, converting his heart. And then he's out there minister, ministering the gospel. So Paul no longer relied on his strength. Something changed. He no longer identified in what he knows. And so he came preaching the gospel in weakness, even with trembling. And there there were some insecurities, but not in the truth that he was proclaiming, but in himself. And I can tell you, I understand that. I still get nervous every time before I speak, believe it or not. I'm up here with fear and trembling. 
Paul's insecurities became his strength because his hope was in Christ. So if you feel like a failure, if you feel insecure in yourself, man, build that up. Remember the promises. Put your hope in Christ. We are promised to be made into new creatures in Christ. Paul knew that. He experienced it in his conversion as we follow what God calls us into, and when we look at his word, we are being made into new creatures. We are promised that we will be sanctified by the work of the Holy Spirit within us. So it's not our strength. It's something that's happening on the inside as we draw closer to the Lord. And we are being made into the image of Christ day by day, prepared for eternity. And all that God has promised us as our inheritance in him. This is God's promise. It's true. Do you believe it? Do you know it to be true? Are the promises that Jesus gives us true for you? Not just in your, in your mind, but as something that you understand and accept and hope in. If so, then learn to trust in the truth of the hope that you believe. Trust in the hope that you've been given. Lean not on your own understanding. Oh, how often we fall back into that. We lean on our own understanding. We trust in ourselves. And we don't see the whole picture. Lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, we should acknowledge God, trusting in him, letting him be our strength. And when that becomes your reality, even your weaknesses become a joy in your life. Paul had personal afflictions. In 2 Corinthians 12, I, I'll just, uh, I won't read the whole passage. I'll just point out that this is where it talks about the thorn in his flesh that he asked three times to be removed. And Jesus replies, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And I love Paul's response here to this. So he's asked three times for it to be removed. Three times he says no. And then he, he finally responds with, to, to Jesus with, therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, no one knows for sure what this might be. I read it as a physical ailment. Um, and I can imagine, if that's the case, his frustration when God uses him to heal others, right? I mean, Paul had, had was you know, healing people all over the place. And yet, there's this one thing that, that Jesus is like, no, no, that one not. That one, I'm gonna, you're going to you're gonna have to live with that one. But on hearing Jesus' response, that his grace is enough, Paul is not upset about it. He's glad. He's glad and even in his affliction. All of us have things in our life that we would love for God to remove. Amen? More of you should have said amen to that one. It's okay. We all have things in our life we'd love to see God remove. And I, I want to be very clear. We can seek that. Paul asks, yes, three times. We should be praying. If we're sick, we should be praying for healing. If you're in a, a, a job and you're in a bad situation, you can pray for a new job. You can pray for God to work in any situation that you're in. That's a struggle for you in your life. Amen. And God is very often very faithful to grant that and to bring us out of that. But sometimes I think when we're in the midst of it, it's good to ask, okay, God, I, wanna, I, want, you to, I want you to work in this situation, but what can I be learning from this situation? God, 
What can, I be, what can you be teaching me as I'm going through this right now? How can I get close to you in this? How can I trust that your grace is sufficient for me? How can I know that in my weakness, you are, your, my, your strength is made perfect in me? How can I lean into that in the midst of this struggle? Well, I still pray for you maybe to remove me out of this situation. See, when our hope is firmly resting in the promises of God, we can even find gladness knowing that our strength is not in us nor in everything going well, our strength is in the hope we have in Christ alone. In Christ alone. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 to 18. I like what Paul, how Paul kind of paints this as a response of how maybe we can wrap this up a little bit in our minds. So, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That's hope. That's hope. Verse 18. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So we need to have hope in something that supersedes our perspective in the moment. That's greater than what we can see at any given time. No matter what we go through, no matter what we're experiencing, no matter where we are, something consistent, something that outlasts our situation, something constant. We need to have hope in something eternal. So that even in our life, when our life is in a place where we feel like all hope is is removed, even when we're at our lowest, we have something that we can always trust in to be true. That our hope remains. Looking at Paul, he faced incredible hardships. He had internal struggles as well as exterior oppositions constantly, and yet it is clear he never lost hope. He never lost hope. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 through 9. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure, so that's this great treasure, this great hope that we have in jars of clay, that's us, imperfect vessels, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. This world is filled with things that will try to distract you from the hope you have in Jesus. That will try to take it from you. That will try to pull you away. You will face things again and again that the devil will try and use to cause you to forget what you know to be true. I want to encourage you this Advent to make a decision in your heart to think on the things that are above, 
to think on the things that are above. The things that are eternal. This will strengthen your faith by building up your hope in the promises of God. Set your eyes above. And I want to encourage each and every one of us here today to also be building up one another. As I said, all of us have things that we're struggling with. All of us have things that we're wrestling with. As we talked about a few weeks ago, we have been given gifts of the Holy Spirit for the building up of the church. So let's use them so that our hope may be perfected. Don't stand alone. If you're in need, if you're struggling, if you're wrestling with something and you're feeling like, hey, I'm losing my grip on the hope that I have in Christ, get help. Cling to someone. Grab a brother, grab a sister here in the church so that we can build you up, encourage you. We need to assure one another that our hope is not some wishing on something to happen, but rather a confidence in knowing what will happen, that we have a destiny, we have a promised future. It was promised in the Old Testament that a Messiah would come, that Jesus would come, and he did. That's what we're remembering this time of year. And it is promised that he will come again, and he will. We have hope for today and all the promises of God found in his word. Meditate on it. Saturate yourself in his word that you may be filled with the hope that it provides for today and each and every day, no matter what you're facing. And we also have hope for tomorrow and into eternity. So again, if you're struggling to find that hope, talk to someone, get prayer. Let's encourage one another. Let's pray for one another. Let's build up one another as the body of Christ. And when we build a strong foundation and our hope is firmly placed in the eternal truth of the promises of God, we will have confidence and assurance and our faith will be strengthened. Amen? Let me invite the band to come up as I close with reading the last verse of our text today. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray. Father, you are a good, good father, a good, good God who looks on us with favor and gives us hope and encourages us and strengthens us. Though we face hardships, though we face loss, though we face difficulties, internal and exterior, you are always with us. You are always faithful, and you will be with us till the end. I pray that you remind us of that today. Encourage us with your hope, and help us to encourage one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me say goodbye to those watching on, who joined online. I pray that this was a blessing for you and I hope to maybe see you in person in the future. For the rest of us, we're going to step now into a time of communion. And I actually want to read a, 